You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No days off. No The Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone great. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal, 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 Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer on WEI.com. Off Day Podcast, week six edition, Denver Broncos edition, part two. We're doing this once again, as I think we kind of jinxed ourselves at the end of last week when we said, hopefully. We'd be doing a uh, post-game podcast on Monday, but that turned into a COVID podcast. So hopefully better luck this week. And I like how you just said off the air right before you started recording, all right, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> yes. This um, is going a million directions. Well, don't, so it's a game preview podcast. Let's start there. Let's pretend to start there and pretend it's like a regular week. It's Friday. There's going to be a game on Sunday, all of that it's a totally different game than the last time we talked about it yep. because both teams have new quarterbacks in all likelihood. Drew Locke's probably going to start for the Broncos. Cam Newton's probably going to start for the Patriots. That wasn't going to happen if they had played at the normally scheduled time or even last Monday. Stefan Gilmore is back. And I, I told you this, I think off air, I read some headlines out of Denver that, you know, if Drew Locke starts, then the delay was worth it for the Broncos. And I'm like, the hell are you talking about? Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore are going to play for the Patriots and they wouldn't have played. A former MVP and a reigning defensive player of the year and you're excited you got Drew freaking locked back? Like, no, you lose that. You had a chance to upset them last week. You don't this week. You had a chance to have Brian Hoyer play quarterback and now you don't. Right. And like, you know, Brett Rippin, Brian Hoyer, coin flip. We'll see what happens. But I can't do a lot. Cam Newton, you need some breaks to go your way. Yeah, you're going now to Foxborough to uh, – relatively healthy Patriots team. I know Edelman, Wynn, and Mason are on the injury report limited. Those are guys. Get the factor in. Yeah. Pishaw. Okay. I don't know. I don't – everybody – like, we're – on Dale and Keith yesterday, we did, like, uh, uh, yeah, after four weeks awards or whatever you want to call it. No, I heard that segment driving down. It's practice. And somebody said, like, Dietrich Wise for – Yeah, I heard that surprise player or defensive MVP and I like he just doesn't register with me maybe I'm missing some of his greatness or his impact or he's he's been a he's been a better role player than he's been in the past but he hasn't really passed the role player role yet right he's a role player now whereas before he was a guy that everybody thought was like hanging by a thread to get cut right now I think he's solidified as a role player but part of that is they don't have any defensive linemen. No. Bo Allen is a fictitious character that I firmly believe is like a unicorn or the Loch Ness Monster. I'm not sure he exists. Where is Bo oh, Allen? I saw him. He was at the uh, in-stadium practice. Does he have two legs, two arms, and a head with a helmet on it? He's got long hair. Uh, yeah. Is he going to play ever? I don't know. 
Will he start? Will he be good? Well, I, I think he got – I think – didn't we discuss this at the time? He probably got hurt at the facility because he didn't start on PUP. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know, but, like, I don't know. The, the defensive line has nobody on it, even more so now with Byron Cowart and Bill Murray and those guys having dealt with Corona or, I guess, in Cowart's part, still dealing with Corona. Yeah. Uh, Dietrich Wise dealing with – I don't know. What Actually, some was. contacts with Corona. Yeah. We're yeah, we are assuming, but it seems like that's kind of where that goes. Um, but the defensive line, Dietrich, Dietrich Wise has been fine, I guess. Lawrence Guy is the guy in the middle of it all. Adam Butler is Adam Butler. Like, I'm not defending the run. Uh, no, none of them are. That's why I don't know that I could. You know, they, there was an argument to be made is like, Lawrence Guy, your defensive MVP. I made that argument like two years ago. This year, I don't think anybody that's involved with stopping the run could be the MVP. Who is the, I mean, that's actually a good discussion. Who is the MVP? We went with Chase Winovich. Right, and but it's by like, default. Mostly also that he has overachieved, whereas everyone else has underachieved. Right. Like, I don't know anybody else, whether it's Gilmore, McCourty, McCourty, any of the – Jonathan Jones. Like, you they've all Jackson, yeah. underachieved, in my opinion. Jawan Bentley has been terrible. Like, it, it's almost Chase Winovich by default. I, I didn't right. really even have a second – guy I could fight for like I didn't yeah so the defense has been nondescript and not all that great and the past defense hasn't lived up to its like has no I wouldn't even say that yeah it's Chase Winovich I never thought I'd say that come into the season either if you'd made me pick a defensive MVP for any portion of the season I would have I would have probably listed 14 15 guys before I got to Chase Winovich he's been impressive he's been surprising He's made plays. He's and he has a chance to be better than I thought. He was just going to be a um, Cassius Marsh pass rusher, like behind the quarterback a lot. Every once in a while, luck into a sack. He's a much better player this year than I thought he was going to be. All right, um, game thoughts. I mean, this is probably it's not a it should not be a competitive game, right? The Broncos are one and three. They beat the Jets. That's right. what the Broncos are. Their best players are either not playing on IR, gone for the year, like. I mean, I guess Bradley DUI situations. Yeah, DUI. Like all their good players are deal. Like wide receiver, no Sutton. Yeah, probably no um, KJ Hamler. Um, Noah Font is questionable. Right, injured. Wouldn't have played last week. Might be able to play this week. Or who knows? Gets out there and you realize he shouldn't be playing this week. Right. Drew Locke. Yeah, he might be back. Is he any good? Like that's a separate question. Um, Melvin Gordon, DUI, returned to practice, but. They uh, some of Fangio's comments weren't. They were still deciding how they were going to handle yeah, it. The, the earlier in the day, I thought in the week, I thought he said that he will be disciplined. I don't know if he was referring to this week or down the road or, or what. Yeah. So his, I mean, hard to make a real strong argument of how the Broncos, why the Broncos would come to Gillette and upset the Patriots. That again, I wrote, I posted the column today, and it's more about off field. But I think the Patriots are feeling good again. They got Cam back. They got Gilmore back. They've come through. They're back in their building. Right. They're back in the building. They've come out the other side, seemingly, of this coronavirus issue. Um, They only missed one game. Yeah. I think they're feeling good, and they're ready to roll kind of thing. So, I think the Broncos – I think the Broncos could get blown out in this game. I think it could – Maybe you say the Patriots are going to be sloppy early. I was going to say, the only one thing is, you know, Newton has been around a little bit. Like, would it be surprising if they start slow? Like, I'm not saying they go down, like, 10 nothing, but could they go, like, punt, punt, field goal? Sure. 
Yeah. Or like the Kansas City game. It could be like a 7-6 or 9-7 type game early, and then I could see the Patriots pulling away, like hitting their stride in the second half. Drew Locke, you know, throws a pick or makes a bad play, and Cam Newton makes a big play. Um, so, I, I and the injuries are something worth watching because if they have uh, Mason, Wynn, and Edelman all questionable again, that means there's a chance one of them doesn't play the way. I mean, over the years, the way the Patriots have manipulated the questionable thing at the end of the year basically has to mean half the guys that were questionable played and half didn't. So it's, it's a statistical equation that they play with week to week. And it wouldn't stun me. I mean, I guess you should, Edelman should be healthier, but it won't stun me if one of those three doesn't play. Well, I mean, I don't know. They all should be more healthy because they got a week off. I mean, theoretically, Theoretically, sure. They could, they could all come off the injury report today, for all we know. Uh, that is also accurate. That's the problem with a pregame podcast. When do you do it? <laughs> right. I know. How long do you wait? You need information, especially in this day and age. You know, we were joking about it before we came on. The Colts shut down their facility today. So clearly their game's in question. The Saints, I mean, the uh, Falcons. Well, we did the same thing yesterday, yesterday. With, the, with the Falcons, and it seems like they're better. So Right. So this is – everything is – I don't know if you've heard day by day and hour by hour. That's, that's the big quote. That's how we live our lives now, like Rambo. So, yes, that is what we're doing. And so, like we said before, this podcast could be outdated in two hours. And it's not that great anyway, so who cares? Um, I guess the, the one off-field thing Edelman brought up, we talked about this a little bit before, but Edelman discussing Belichick today, the way he's handled the coronavirus, kind of went on with your thought that Belichick has brought in doctors to educate them on his – on the – on the coronavirus to sort of – it just goes with your calm. that He's like – he's not what everyone thinks he is. He's not football all the time. He's taking this seriously. He's on these calls. He's being more proactive than I would say most other NFL head coaches where they're letting their head trainer go on these calls where Bill's on them themselves. Right. And I'm guessing one of those experts is where we got the 30, 60, 90 days you can test positive. Now, whether it's true or not, I have no idea. I, I, Depends I still... on what medical paper you read. Right. Um, and you know, when you read it, you know, read one paper one week, it could change the next week, but we've talked about this. I don't know. I still don't know completely whether Bill is taking it seriously personally. And then as an extension is taking it super seriously for his team, or if just as a pure leader being responsible and in his mold of preparation, He's taking, you know what I mean? Like, is yeah. he taking it seriously because he's 60, is he 69, 68, whatever, 69, I think. Is he taking it seriously because he's in a high-risk group and his buddy Nick Saban now in a high-risk group has it? Or is it truly the typical, well, it's an issue we're going to face. I have to, you know, like he would approach travel or a long week or anything. Like he's going to analyze it. He's going to, hey, you dealt with the same travel situation. How did you handle it a couple of years right. ago? What were the pros and cons of that? I think, you know, there's both of those levels. Him you as think a person, it's more of the latter, though? I do. I do, but I also think he personally is taking it pretty seriously, too, because, you know, he should. I mean, he just – No, I, but I think that's a combination. Like, I, I think it's not about – it's about the team first, I think. The team first and their families first. Yes, but also – yes. But on the level of being a responsible coach, leader, and manager of men, I don't – think his priority was to manipulate this situation to skip a game so Cam Newton could play and oh by the way make all his players love him 
that was a byproduct. Those were all byproducts. Right. But I think in general, A, he's taking it seriously. And maybe more importantly, as a leader, he's saying he's doing personally, I think he's doing what the NFL should have done and didn't do. Prior planning prevents piss poor performance. Yes. Like they didn't prepare for everything. They didn't reach out and ask every question they possibly could and, you know, communicate well. Go through and, a bunch of scenarios that could happen to prepare right. for when they do happen. I would say the NFL and Bill Belichick have handled this opposite, completely opposite. One undercommunicated, one has been communicating nonstop. One didn't prepare for contingencies, one did prepare. One got ahead of it, one didn't get ahead of it. One has been reactionary, one has been more proactive. Like, they're, they're interesting case studies, but I guess it shouldn't surprise us. And I think this, I've always bristled a little bit about the idea that Bill, Bill could do anything. Like Bill could go run a company. Bill, you know, Trump joking, he, yeah. he, he's better than my generals. If we have a war, he could be, well, starting to kind of buy into that idea. And it's kind of simple that I think he just looks at the problem, the end or the question or whatever, and then says, how do we get there? Yeah, like, and who are experts that'll help me get there? And has anyone done anything like this? And how did they, like, he just does research. He just takes the time to actually. Or maybe he just says, hey, Ernie, can you do this and some, tell me what you got? No, 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 but that's, like, right. that's so, still. So he, he delegates who so he needs to delegate right. to. That, that would make us a good leader. Yeah. If you're the CEO of a company, you have all these people working under you say, I want you to research this aspect, you to research this. We're going to have a, a meeting at the end of the week. You guys can all present. And we'll right. move forward from there. Right. So I do think his general um, work ethic and approach to things is probably transferable to other areas. Like, you know, it, you know, he would have an offensive coordinator. He would have a, if he were running a bank, he would have a chief financial officer who knows right. the ins and outs of finances better than him. And he would make that guy report. Like, so I bought into that a little bit more than I used to. I got a hypothetical Let's okay. just say that this Patriots situation happened, like the page, same Patriots players, but like a, a not so, you know, cachet coach, like just a random NFL coach was leading the team. Do you think that like there would have been like a serious, not strike, but do you think the players would have really taken things a step further last week when they were so mad about the Kansas City stuff and then the possibility of playing against Denver? Yes, because I do think it started with the players and the veteran players and you know, we've talked about that, that it was a reaction. It wasn't really about the Broncos game. It was about no. the past week and how we were forced in and it made no sense. And the more we think about it, the more we realize it made no sense. Um, like Devin had the comment the other day in his conference call about, we learned a lot about um, incubation periods. Yep. Did we, or did we already know it existed? Like I knew that you knew that. I think that they just learned it firsthand. I, right, but they shouldn't, like, now you could tell me, we don't know the specific incubation period, but right. we all knew it was more than three days. Every expert has been saying that forever. It's more than three days. Now, some believe it's up to 14 days or 11 days or a lot, but so the players, yeah, I do think the player, but again, the ability for Jason McCordy to say something and Bill Belichick to back him up and Robert Kraft to back him up, that's not that's not available everywhere. Those, those guys carry a weight, a cachet, whatever you want to, you know, the, the phrase you used. That's not the same as if, you know, I don't know, Dion Jones for the Falcons talks to Raheem Morris, who talks to Arthur Blank. Right. 
right. I don't think any of those guys carry the weight of their New England co you know counterparts. Right. Right. So I do think it could have worked out differently. But I also think I, I, I'm always hesitant to give the league any credit because they are an embarrassment. But I do think at some point, Monday, Patriots play in Kansas City, Tuesday, Gilmore test positive. They had to even realize, uh-oh, we might have uh we might have porked the pooch, as they say here. Well, I think that's part of the reason why we have these new rules, where if you're uh, deemed a high-risk close contact, you can't be in the facility for five days. Right. I think of course, that... if, you, if you have it, you can return in 10 days, no matter what. <laughs> well, if you're not showing symptoms. Right. No, I know, but I just, I'm still a little dubious of that whole area. Well, again, I, I think Jason McCourty was right on, he was last weekend when he talked about the NFL is just sort of like, putting in these protocols to make it look like they're doing what they need to do, but still making it so they play the games. Like they're, oh, yeah. they're making it look like they're trying to make it work on the surface, but in the reality, it may not be the safest. Right. And I do understand that there's a lot of unknown and you like, when you started on July, whenever they started 29, yeah. you, you were taking a risk. You knew there were going to be different risks, different approaches every day moving forward. And I like the players decided that day to play games, right? Like when they showed up, you decided you want to, some didn't Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower said, Nope, not doing it, not doing it. So I agree with him that the NFL starts at the play games and works backwards from it. Whereas I think Belichick Patriots players say, how do we get to play games? Like there's sort of two different, views there to get to the same point. They don't want to get to the same thing, whereas the NFL wants to just sort of jump over things to get there, whereas the Patriots want to go step by step by step. Right, right. And, I mean, I guess the NFL is taking steps. We've all talked about the extended season, and now they've canceled the Pro Bowl, and they're starting to open that door, I think. but Because I think they're forced to. I mean, like, you can't reschedule any more games. Well, yeah, in the course of this week, you know, Patriots are finishing up their breakout outbreak. The Falcons, the Colts, like the numbers are growing. It's going, and all the experts predicted this in some level. Okay, the longer it goes, the colder it gets. Kids go back to school, flu season. You know, that's another thing. Odell Beckham sent home because he's sick. Probably not Corona. You know, you're going to have people with the sniffles. You're going to have people with, but how do you handle it? And their way is you're going to be out of an abundance of caution. They're going to send people home. That's the reality. I would say at some point, a big player is going to have to miss a game because they're they are sick on a Sunday morning. Right, right. Now, will they will they admit it? Like that's the other thing. It's like the football culture. Well, if you're a you know sick player, yeah, like do I think the McCordys or somebody like that would admit it? Yeah, I think they'd say, Bill, I woke up, my nose is running, or I have a cough, or I have a fever. Right. And I think some guys would be like wiping their nose, trying to cover it up. Like right. I do, you know, right. popping a quick. Uh, whatever fever reducer to try to sneak in the game. And then that could lead to something later. Cause you find out, no, it, it wasn't just an illness or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Those are coming. Those are definitely coming. And I, I mean, changes by the week. Like it's literally a new thing every week. Like this week, it's the five days for, you know, players that are in close contact next week. It could be some, something totally different. It's just, I, I don't know. There's no, there's no perfect scenario. We don't have any, we're not the ones that have answers because we're not really the ones that are supposed to have answers. That's the league. And I guess yeah. they're, they're, they're the ones that are working through this and that's their job. 
And I don't, no one has definitive answers. No, no. I kind of mocked it a couple weeks ago when the fantasy football people started saying, if you have players that are on a Thursday night game, play them 100% because if you get to Thursday and the game happens, you you're ahead of the curve because you're not sure the other games are going to happen. And I kind of mocked it at the time, but now I kind of think it's it's a legitimate it's a strategy. Legitimate thing because now you look at the, today you have the Colts testing positive. So. Right, you know, I mean, it didn't didn't play in this. It hasn't week. really played out yet, yet. But like, but it probably makes sense. Like the old bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Get your whatever players out there because you, your opponent, who knows, doesn't have players. So I don't know. It, in college football, we don't pay attention to it as much up here. Is just as bad. I think it's worse. You have uh, yeah. you have 25 guys testing positive, and they just go on with the game. Just like, oh, well, we got like 60 guys that are available, so we can still play. Right. And you have, I mean, just look at Florida where they lose a game or they feel like they, they were in an environment that the fans played an effect on the road. So they're bitching that they want full fans. And then days later, the game's not even happening because they have an outbreak. Like how? Wow, that changed. You wanted a whole swamp full of fans, and now you're not even going to have a football team in the swamp. Never mind full right. fans. And then you know Nick Saban and the biggest game of the year. When, you know one of the biggest games yeah. of the year when you have Georgia Alabama. Will he be there? Will he not be there? And the whole the rule they have that he has to be there to coach. If he's not there, he can't call in from home and like Zoom from home and coach or whatever. Like ninety minutes after the game, he has to like go dark and can't have contact. So. Yeah, we don't pay quite as close attention, I think, up here because we don't we're not really a sports college football college. area. Yeah. But yeah, college football is definitely worse. I don't even think the average fan knows how many teams have missed games. Big oh, programs. I was, I was actually just looking um last night just randomly at the college schedule for this weekend just to see what games were on and when. Like there's there's a lot of games not being played and canceled. Oh, and and it's you know, Vanderbilt, Notre Dame, LSU, Florida, like not, you know, some random, you know, not Alabama, Texas, San Antonio or something like big time programs are losing. I think has two games that are canceled. Right. And, and I don't think people up here are really aware of that. And then a lot of them haven't started yet. We're still waiting for the The Pac-12 and the big 10 and like who the big 10 could be like Jarrett Stidham. We're off, we're on, we're off again. Like, they may not even have a season when it all comes down to it, even though they canceled it once and then restarted it and the, the whole thing. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. I had, a, I had a random thought. We were talking about fans. We were talking the last game when they played the Raiders at the, potentially the next home game, there'd be fans at Gillette. When do you think that's coming? Or is it uh, I don't. Well, because I, I remember at the stadium for the Raiders game, there were um, – like social distancing markers yep. at the concession stand. So everybody was like, oh, they're, they're planning for it and thought that that could be coming. But obviously that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, no, they've, I think they've been planning for it all along. Remember when they had – Yeah, I guess, I guess the, they kind of have to plan ahead of it and just have everything in place for when it actually does get approved by the, the governor. I guess that's where it's coming from. Yeah, I don't see it happening, though. Like, if anything, things are rolling back in a lot of places in Massachusetts. And I don't – I am not optimistic that you'll have necessarily fans at Gillette Stadium uh, this season. Yeah, the way things are going. Um, Yeah, it would almost surprise me at this point, even though we've seen it in so many places. Even I guess, like, the last time they played a home game was, what, three weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah. And things have actually changed kind of a lot since. Like, in in Massachusetts, I'm saying, like, it was actually at a good point 
in early September. Now it's kind of gone the other way. Right. And, you know, you and I were just talking about I'm going to a lacrosse tournament this weekend in New Hampshire. First of all, I thought New Hampshire was like wide open, live free or die. And got the email that only one parent can go per kid and like all these rules. Like if, if a second parent is caught trying to sneak in, your team is penalized, will forfeit the tournament, will this, will that, like very serious. And then New Hampshire hockey, youth hockey has shut down. The rinks are closed, which because of an outbreak in certain leagues or teams or programs. Um, so I, yeah, I, I do think it has gone in the, in the wrong direction. And in Massachusetts with, with Governor Baker, I mean, they're, they're as slow to open things up and go in that direction as anyone. And it, it's still weird too. the mixed messages. I was watching the game last night. Um, Braves Dodgers yep. at um, Arlington. Yep. And so major league baseball is in a bubble for the postseason. Yep. Except they're letting fans in. So it's not a bubble. Like, right. And I know it's very unlikely that the fans for, they have the front first few rows. I was say, they have the first, it's sort of like NFL. Yep. But it's not a true bubble. Like it's a, it's a, it's a modified bubble, I guess you'd call right. it at this point. Right. Um, so like all of this is just weird to me. And in the end though, to answer your question, no, I don't get the vibe that you'll have fans at Gillette. I don't. Yeah, I'm starting to, cause then like it gets, the time to have it would have been September, October when the weather's better, when like yep. you're, you're outside, like now, you know, let's say it gets approved in November. First of all, who's going to want to go to a game? And, you know, a, a freezing cold environment when the risk to get sick is even higher. And right. also the cases are probably going to be going up because it's the, it's the winter time. People are indoors more. That's just the, that's how the, the virus goes. Yeah. I don't, it all goes back to Baker and the state and the way things are trending in, in not a great direction in tum, terms of their numbers, still relatively small numbers, but trending the wrong way. Um, I I don't know that they would green light such a, because they're, they're still fighting these battles with people about like house parties and gatherings and this. And then you're going you know, to send a message by saying, we're going to have, you know, 8,000 right. fans at Gillette stadium, right? I, I can't have 30 people outside of my house. Right. It's, it's such a mixed message that I don't think he would do it. it yeah, every newscast and newspaper, that would be like a lead story. Patriots host 12,000 fans for right. home. Get like, right. Yeah. No and even we, we talked about it too. Like, I think once the financials were actually run at Gillette Stadium, is it even worth hosting no. 6,000 fans? No. And, and, and both sides, it's not worth it for them to host the fans. It's not worth it as a fan to be there. It's not no. fun. It's not enjoyable. We can tell you firsthand, you're, you don't see much at the game. It, it actually is detrimental. It, it sucks the life out of the building. Like, it's, it's a weird, you don't feel like you're at a game. And I think you, as a fan, this is me. You will enjoy it more at home. You'll feel more like you're watching a normal Patriots game at home. If you go there, you're going to feel like you're watching, as Bill said, a practice. It's a JV game, something that yep. doesn't count. They're filming a commercial, and they brought in, like, right. fake fans. Or, like, I don't know what it feels like, but it's not an enjoyable football experience. So even if they do allow it, I would advise fans, stay home. Like, even watching, like, I was just watching the, the Seahawks game last weekend, Sunday night, when Russell Wilson had the comeback on the last drive, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, good for them for, like, getting that energy on the field, because that's all them. Like, they don't have they don't have the 12th man to get behind them. Like, that's literally just them showing the same emotion that they would if they had 60,000 fans. And I think that's been more impressive to me in a way, like, just how players are sort of bringing their own energy and so keeping that up and not 
sort of lolling into what we said, like a JV. Yeah. And, you know, it's stupid. Like we're reporters and we're saying it feels weird and it sucked the life out of it. It's not as fun. And I, you're right. They deserve some credit. And, you know, I think some of that also, I would fixate on leaders. Like I think McCordy's been energetic and brought his, whether it's his like pregame, you know, yelling at him and getting them all frothing or Cam on the offensive side of the ball. I do think those guys have done a good job at least trying to replicate the emotion you would bring to a normal game. I don't think it's up there. I don't think it's the same as it would be. I don't know how it could be. Um, and you heard like Adrian Phillips talking about he likes New England. Everything's been great. The one thing he wishes, he visited Gillette as a, a visitor. He, he kind of wanted to experience what the home crowd, home stadium energy was like and hasn't had that yet. Yes. Um, any other topics you want to get to about the team, um, player-specific well, how about we get into, and we will probably talk about this ad nauseum over the next half dozen podcasts, but we're reaching the point where the Bill Barnwells of the world are putting out, you know, trades that should happen in the National Football League, 13 trades. He pointed to the Patriots as acquiring uh, John Ross, wide receiver, speedy wide receiver Bengals for a sixth round pick, I think. Yep. Um, Sure. I'd say yes to almost if it's a tight end, a defensive front seven player or a wide receiver. And it's not like, Oh, would you trade a first round pick for this crappy player? If it's not something stupid, right. I'd say, sure, go for it. You need it. Well, I, to start the conversation, Belichick was asked about it yesterday in the conference call, like the trade deadlines are just a primer. And he brought up a good point. Like there's a lot of unknowns with, you know, how teams are going to want to do this, but then also like when to, you acquire a player, he has to sit out five days before he can right. even practice. So you're acquiring – you get one less week with the player because of the COVID rules. And I don't know if that will impact teams' decisions not to trade for players or this and that. Probably not, but that's just another layer of – like I don't think it's going to be as – it's never really been a super active trade deadline, obviously, but I think you'll be seeing less trades than normal, sort of like we saw less movement after training. Um, I think – I would never let that dissuade me as a team from acquiring a guy. Like I wouldn't either. Like if you're, what does it matter if you get a guy for six games or seven games, you're still getting him for a good amount of games. Plus I'll call early. Like I'll work that into the deal. I, I want to do this deal a week earlier. Like I would have right. waited to the deadline. My deadline's this week. I want the guy right. earlier. If you want to deal him and you want to do this deal, let's do right. it. Right. Otherwise yeah. I'll move right. on. Right. But um, now the health concerns, I, I, I would still I still think this should be a better trade deadline than normal given the financial uncertainties of the future. I think teams should be it's looking be, to yeah, to get rid of dumping these guys' salaries. Yeah. Yeah. Or teams that have like the Patriots that have some flexibility, maximize your flexibility. Get a guy for this year and next year. Don't wait till the offseason. Like try to be ahead of the curve. And so I would certainly be in on, you know, any receiver. Um, John Ross stinks. I mean, we can say that he stinks. He's a fast first round bust, but I, I try him. Is he, is he any less stinky? They tried out a guy from a school I've never heard of. Did you see that guy out of Berry? Yeah. Well, that was odd because they, I thought they already brought him in. I, I, that's, I'm sorry. I'll take John Ross over the guy out of Berry. And I know, okay, Adam Thielen, uh, Bemidji state for what's his name, all, all these right, great yeah. things. But like, Yes, John Ross can fly. He was supposed to be like a Brandon Cooks coming into the NFL. And we know Belichick likes 
the idea of first round talent. Well, first, yeah, right, right. So yes, I'd be in on that. Um, well, I would say end. like John Ross, like those are the types of names I think that will be in discussion. Like it's not going to be like a, I know this was last year, but Stefan Diggs. Like I don't think a big name will be coming to the Patriots. Um, probably not. I know people have tried to drum up a Julio Jones rumor. Like uh, that's been on for how many years now? Yeah, but they're, if they get rid of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, they'll have like a hundred million dollars in dead cap money or something stupid, $80 right. million dollars in dead cap. Right. I, it's just not really feasible no. for them. I, no. I'd love to play along like, you. oh yeah, I'd love to say we'll be writing about Julio Jones in New England come November. I just don't think it's realistic. I, I It just makes no sense. Better, uh, you know, A.J. Green, sure. A guy on a franchise tag who may be toast and done and, you know, the Bengals are going young with T. Higgins and Boyd and the, like that with Burrow and all that. But, yeah, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, um, I'm not expecting those types of Any, what Did you get into tight ends? Any tight ends that you could see? I mean, he had yeah. Zach Ertz going yeah. uh, and Joku getting traded, like, names that we've heard before possibilities that we've heard before um i'd love that because that's even worse than wide receiver at least at wide receiver they have you know demir bird is he a good story or is he just catching passes because somebody has to i think he's just catching passes somebody has to when they play as many snaps as he plays me too um whereas tight end they they don't even have anything they don't target them i think one of the bigger not like not busts but like puzzling things is Devin Asiasi. Like we saw our training camp, he was going to supposed to be this great receiving tight end hooking up with Cam Newton. And now he's been barely on the field. Well, I would say predictable. And I would say the biggest bust is Bill Belichick believing that Devin Asiasi would be an impact player and not having a plan. Algie Crumpler, Kyle Brady. Uh, I don't know who the name is of some veteran guy you should have, even in case, you know, either to work with Devin Asiasi or just, well, this guy's a third-round pick who had one good year in college and didn't have a preseason or an offseason. Should we really expect him to come in and be a an impact rookie? Like, wasn't this predictable? Like, this uh, was predictable. Well, it's only this is the first time it's happened. They've been searching for this for the last however many years. Right, but it's even more predictable this year. There's more right. reason to bet against Devin Asiasi catching, right. you know, 45 balls and eight touchdowns. Like, this is predictable that he's not able to. And, you know, Dalton Keene has yet to even do anything. for a game, I don't think. Yeah. So, um, some of that's on them for not constructing a roster with at least a veteran. Because, I, I mean, Ryan Izzo's not a veteran. He is what he is. He's a seventh-round pick who's never really played. Like, Right. He's doing, he's doing fine for a seventh-round pick, but he's not – that's sort of you're, – you're asking him to do way too much than what he is. He's doing a good job for what he is, a seventh-round pick. But, oh, yeah. If he were like the second or third tight end fitting in with a pass, right. ca- if Asiasi had hit a home run right. and he was like a rookie of the year candidate, you'd be like, and Izzo's a really nice story. He plays a lot, seventh right. round pick, you know, blocks, does that. But he's your top guy. And ugh. yes. Um, I don't have any other thoughts. I guess we'll. <laughs> I mean, I, this, this is my whole thing the last like two weeks. We've, we've been writing the same stories, we've been saying the same things. Like, it's COVID. Like, they're back practicing. Nothing's really changed on that front. They're playing the Broncos. It's not like they're playing the Chiefs this week where we had two weeks to sort of talk about the matchups and this and that. Like, there's nothing to talk about with the Broncos. They stink. They have no good players. Like, I don't care about Drew Locke. 
Yeah, I don't really either. I don't care about Vic Fangio. Like, oh, I like. He seems like a nice man. He's he's fine. He's a nice NFL head coach, but he's not like a guy you can talk about for two weeks. If I ever, for some weird reason, were to become an NFL head coach, I think I would hire Vic Fangio as one of my assistants. I like him. Why? I don't know. He just seems one of like the old fashioned. Like, I think he would have a good relationship with his players. You know, decent defensive reputation. Like all those things. I don't want him to be my head coach. Don't get don't get me wrong there. Right. I don't want him to be my head coach. But I would like Vic Van, Vic Fangio on my staff if I ever put one together. Like, I, I'm just thinking about this in general. Like, this has been one of the tougher times, I guess, to cover the Patriots because there's been nothing that's like going on. Right. Like, and it, yes, it's, there's it's, been stuff going on, but like, there's been nothing new. And it's left a void. I mean, I guess we had a little blurb of, ooh, do they really have interest in Le'Veon Bell? Is Le'Veon right. Bell? How long did that last? 12 hours? Right. And then the void as people like Julio Jones and uh, Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo. And, like, we're filling the void with these, like, pie-in-the-sky, like, fantasy football discussions. Right. That, instead of actual – because there's nothing here right now. We've been – And, like, usually on a bye week, it's, like, in the middle of the year, you can do, like – superlatives and who was the biggest surprise you can't I mean I know people did it but you can't do it after four games like I'm sorry and you can't even really with this team do trends like oh their run defense their pass defense oh their passing game nothing has been consistent with them like even look at the run game that was Sony Michelle and Newton now it's Damian Harris like right we'll see where it goes I'm not willing to say Damian Harris is great or Sony Michelle is done or that could change. Yeah. So it, it was a weird buy, a weird time off. And there's still a lot of questions about this team. Do you feel better or worse that this team is a playoff team right now? Then I did when? Before the season, you know, a while ago. Well, I was optimistic going into the year. Like, I, I guess oh, I have. Right. Did you have them in the AFC title game? I did. Oh, you fucking Homer. Um, I get, no, I, I don't think I've changed. I, I think they're still a, I think they could be a 11 and 11 and five team. Yeah, I am a little bit more on the buy side of them, I would think, because A, they've, I think, gone through their coronavirus hit pretty well. And B, like the Broncos are a team that could have been seen as a potential competition for them. No, they're not. They're not. You already took care of business against the Dolphins, although they look better. I think I'm a, I'm a, just a, a sea hair above where I was earlier. I think we'll know a lot more about this team after the Buffalo game in three weeks. Yes, and we will know more about the Bills potentially too. Like our cohort at WEI, Rich Keefe, has written off the Bills, think they're toast. Um, and that's the other like uh, void that has been filled in recent weeks is uh, utter reliance on narratives based on history like the Patriots do anything good oh Bill Belichick at it again yeah it's it's always amazing the Patriots are one of the best teams they're a contender the Bills lose one game on the road to an undefeated playoff team and the Bills are toast I told you Josh Allen throws picks like why because he lost to a good team on the road in a weird week right like we're, we're jumping to the conclusion that the Bills stink and the Bills can't win the division like these these lazy reactionary and believe me, I'm as reactionary as anybody, but these are bad. To say the Bills and Josh Allen are done, my friend Rich Keith, after that game in that spot, is, is borderline ridiculous. There's been a lot of that this past week. So I am glad there is an actual game on Sunday, knock on wood. Maybe. maybe. Knock on wood, and that we can start to have more actual substance 
talk about this team and have more things to go on. And then next, next week, the next game against the 49ers will be a great week. A lot of storylines there with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back. So I'm looking forward to that, to actual stuff to talk about and not just, you know, trying to find content. And we, before we close out, your prediction is? Oh, we should probably get that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Patriots uh, 27, Broncos 14. Oh, very close. 31-13, Patriots. I think they start sluggish. It might seem a little close in the first quarter. Uh, the Broncos fade. The Patriots take off and blow out the Broncos. They're overmatched. Yeah, I don't think I don't think this game's close in the second half. Like I think, like you said, it could be a one-score game at the half, but then I think you'll see the Patriots start to get rolling on offense, rolling on defense. Probably a turnover there, turnover there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I'd be. And, I think the spread's nine. I'd be very surprised if the Broncos covered. So we will be back on Sunday evening, hopefully yeah. to do a post-game podcast and not do a. Why the Patriots didn't play podcast. Yes, that is the plan as of now. As always, always, subjects to change in 2020. Right. Look forward to it. Bye-bye. Peace out.